over the weekend a story cut through that it really it it just it, it evokes so much emotion I think for so many of us I know you've got feelings about this one all I have to do is say the name and I think you know what we're where we're going with this one Tyree Nichols he's a black man that was pulled over in Memphis and he died three days after this confrontation the confrontation took place on January 7th with five police officers he was beaten brutally for three minutes. There's a video of this. And I'm curious to know, Ched Nation, if you've watched it. Because I think that when it comes to this situation, it mirrors so many others that I don't know if this video has been as widely watched. It seems to just be yet another story uh, and another familiar situation one that we've talked about many times. We're talking about police brutality. We're talking about systemic racism. And then, obviously, we're, we're talking about what that looks like here in Canada. Are we the same as the states? No. But can we learn from these horrifying situations? Text me if you've watched this video, 780-496-0063. want to get to some of your thoughts on this one. But uh, we're going to discuss it first with our guest, who is an associate professor professor, excuse me, at the Department of Sociology at the University of Alberta. Dr. Tope Oriola is joining the show Dr. Oriola, thank you so much for making the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Chelsea. Good to be with you. Uh, yeah, I wish that it was obviously about different circumstances, but I know that you've got some great opinions and some perspective on this story. I want to know, first of all, if you've watched the video and if you if you have or if you haven't, what was your reaction when you either watched it or when you first learned of this story? I'll just start by saying that I, I chose to not watch um, the video. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it seemed to me to be just uh, the latest in an endless series of, of pornography of police violence. Uh, I did not think I could handle that. Um, I decided uh, to not watch it. Uh, but I did read um, summaries of what happened on multiple uh, media platforms uh, just to get a sense of um, the, the kind of... Uh, a tragedy that, that unfolded here. And um, again, uh, this demonstration of, of man's inhumanity um, to man. Uh, but, but more to your question, um, I think once again, we'll see a demonstration uh, of a very toxic uh, police organizational culture on, on display. Um, I've, I've been asked uh, a number of questions by uh, members of the public, but they, these were um, black police officers. And, and my my response was, was yes, it, it's not um, necessarily unusual when you are socialized into those kinds of uh, extremely toxic organizational culture in which um, uh, you have a well-manicured perception of every encounter with civilians as a war that must be won at all costs. That is what you get. Um, now, that's not to, you know, uh, say that we have, you know, uh, a direct equivalence of that or that was somehow worse of the Memphis Police Department and so on in Canada, but clearly um, there are indications that there are many lessons that we can learn from this. Um, several of your uh, listeners, I'm sure, will be familiar with the documentary, uh, No Visible Trauma, mm -hmm. uh, which chronicles a number of uh, excessive use of force incidents involving the Calgary Police Department. 
uh, I encourage listeners to, to who have not seen that documentary to do so. It's 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 um, publicly available. So these issues do exist, um, and but for of course uh, CCTVs, dash cams, body one, and other kinds of cameras, uh, we would have had to go with the official statement put put out by these officers. So again, um, it, it, it it signals the need for major reforms uh, in the way that we recruit people, uh, the, the, the humans we are recruiting, in other words, to ensure robust psychological testing, um, and the, of course the level of education of the folks who are being recruited into police service, the length and the texture of their training. And I have said this at the risk of sounding like a broken CD, we continue to treat policing as a set of manual skills that can be acquired with a grade 12 level education and six months plus two weeks of training. We are getting the results uh, that, we, uh, that, that come from that. Uh, you need up to about four years to be um, a plumber, a qualified plumber in our province. You need four years to, to, to do all kinds of things like uh, a mechanic and all of that in terms of the length of training and the post-secondary kinds of knowledge you have to acquire. But to join the police service where you are given from day one lethal force, you need only six months and two weeks of training plus roughly grade 12 level education. This is a direct outcome of that. You know, I, I completely agree with the idea of more of more training, more education, more, I, I think, to go into this industry. And I've said this on the show before, Dr. Oriola, and I'm glad that you're that you're echoing it because you're absolutely right. And it's not to discredit the the members of our police forces that are there for the absolute right reasons that are working as hard as they possibly can. And I feel like we have to say that because people get so defensive anytime you talk mm. about reform or issues or problems within our police force, because I mean, they do run into some really scary situations and they do protect us in a way that, you know, a lot of people aren't really capable of doing. But the reform that you're speaking of, I think is is absolutely necessary. Otherwise, we will keep having situations where individuals have entered into the situation that continues to be toxic, continues to to treat certain members of our community with a complete lack of disrespect and care. And we just have this ongoing cycle, whether we're talking about a situation like Tyree Nichols in the States mm -hmm. or whether we're talking about a situation here in Canada. Can yep. can the large-scale reform that you're talking about actually be something that's accomplished? I believe it is possible. Uh, I believe that um, reform is not an all-or-nothing affair. Um, there are there are proven, uh, empirically verifiable, and socio-scientific ways of reforming the police. Um, what has been missing um, is the political will um, and also pushback at an organizational level. Uh, I was just reading about, you know, statements put out by uh, a number of police services uh, condemning what happened and so forth, and I, uh, I, I find that uh, quite intriguing uh, uh, given what's been happening uh, here at home. Um, and so there are ways of reforming uh, the police, um, and they are not esoteric. They are things that are relatively well known. They are very well studied. 
um, and some of the uh, um, factors that I mentioned will go a long way. Uh, I can bet that uh, those officers uh, would be among the ranks that I talked about. A, they are all males. B, um, they would have grade 12 level education or less. Those are the two major commonalities among officers who habitually abuse um, the rights of civilians um, and those who are involved in uh, instances of excessive use of force such as this. Now, having said that, it's important to point out that um, the use of force in police citizen encounter only happens in about roughly 1% of encounters of uh, police services with uh, citizens. So, so in other words, we're looking at uh, a relatively small size or, or slice um, of encounters of our officers with citizens on the streets. However, it, it is absolutely crucial uh, that we're selecting the right kinds of people into police services. Policing is not for everybody. Um, policing has gone to a, a level where you have to consider it as a helping uh, profession. More often than not, you're there to assist people. Uh, but those who go in uh, with the mentality uh, of just, you know, being being uh, moved by, you know, all of the, uh, the performative gears and the the, the, uh, the trucks and and, and the, uh, the various gears and the hospital and all of that make those kinds of bad judgments. And, and it rubs up poorly uh, on the central command, which might in fact be doing all it, 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 it can to prevent these kinds of, of actions, and the generality of, of officers uh, who do uh, uh, their job conscientiously and respectfully on a daily basis. So there's a reason why we're talking about this. We're not talking about Memphis officers in the last one year who did their job, you know, uh, in, in a relatively unproblematic manner, never abused civilians and so forth. These cases stand out, and they stand out because they shock the conscience, and they speak to a need for a refinement, a change, uh, a transformation of the organizational culture and the kinds of people that we are recruiting uh, into police services. It is time to raise the minimum entry qualifications into police services. Dr. Tope Oriola is an associate professor in the Department of Sociology at the University of Alberta. Of course, we're talking about the death of Tyree Nichols the, and the ongoing cycle of police violence. Uh, I, I want to... I want to just clarify so that everyone is really on the same page here. Can we go back to something we discussed uh, at the very beginning of our, of our conversation, Dr. Oriola, and it's that this is systemic racism, even though the five police officers that pulled over and brutally beat Tyree Nichols to death were also black. Can you, can you speak to that? Oh, absolutely. Um, sadly, yes. Um, this is another manifestation of, of systemic racism. Uh, and, and here's what I mean. Uh, until very recently, multiple police services across North America were engaged in target practice using black male figures. In other words, in, in training schools, they had the image of uh, a black male right in front of them, and that's what they shot at. Now, and consider at the psychological level and at, and at an intersubjective level what that does to the psyche of the average officer, regardless of their background, that the, the bad guy, quote-unquote, is this 
mythological criminal blackmail. This this is part of that ensemble of violence. Um, of course, depending on the, the scale with which we want to approach this, you could go into even just uh, media, for example, and movies and all of that. Um, and and of course. Uh, uh, the sedimentation of these kinds of beliefs and practices. So that is not um, restricted to any one social demographic. Anti-black racism can be perpetrated by individuals who are, in fact, black in public as well. They are members of society, and they consume the same kind of media, the same kinds of messages, with direct and indirect, uh, so subliminal and otherwise, that everybody else does. Uh, I, I, I believe that this was one of those instances where we see uh, what can happen um, in, in a racially charged environment. I lived in the United States for one year. My very first position uh, as a full-time academic uh, was at the University of Massachusetts, Boston. I saw those things on display. I didn't witness any violence, but you could see the tensions mm. uh, in, in society. It was palpable. And then I decided I, I didn't want to stay there to raise my kids. Uh, now, in part because it was shared. It, it, it's a widespread belief in practice. You, even at, at, at the level of surveillance at airports, and some of those who might give you a hard time as a black male or female might be black or brown staff at the airport. That's the reality, unless, of course, you perhaps you get an access member and that reduces the likelihood. So my point is we're all... Uh, historically situated uh, within a certain social context and will consume specific kinds of direct and indirect messages. And those messages uh, are distilled into uh, uh, forces that influence human behavior, human action at specific uh, uh, moments in time. Dr. Oyola, thank you so much for your great perspective on this conversation. I really appreciate any time we get to chat with you. So thank you once again. My pleasure. Thank you, Chelsea. Dr. Tope Oriola is an associate professor at the Department of Sociology at the University of Alberta, talking about the uh, brutal killing of Tyree Nichols in Memphis, Tennessee. Curious to hear, Chet Nation, your thoughts on this conversation, the emotions that it brings up for you, 780-496-0063. Uh, let me know what you think about that one. We'll be right back after a short break.